This is the Recorded Conversations Podcast, the podcast dedicated to compassionately considering all perspectives while engaging in an authentic, connected dialogue. I'm Danielle Kingstrom. struggling with resentment per se, more so because um, with my client base right now, resentment is something that becomes a really great obstacle to not only healing and moving on, but to repairing and reconnecting within a relationship. So combined with my own information and my own experience, along with the uh, brilliance of Dr. John Gottman and the Gottman Institute, I've kind of put together this little repair practice that might be helpful to you so that you can learn how to let go of grudges and move on to work out resentment. So first thing that's most important about resentment is we really examine what it is that we're holding on to. And when we feel like we are building this resentment, it usually comes as a consequence of feeling like our expectations were not met, that our needs were not met, or somehow that our our boundaries were violated or disrespected. And so what we want to do is we want to examine which emotions are activated by this resentment that we're feeling. And typically resentment is wrapped up in anger, disappointment, disgust, and fear. These are kind of like the four basic emotions that entangle themselves around this manifestation of resentment. What's important is that we name those emotions, okay? Now, the thing I want to say about resentment is it's a natural human response, right? It's a natural human response when our needs are not met, when we're disappointed, when we're let down, and when our boundaries are violated. So I want to start off by just saying that like, resentment isn't necessarily bad. It's something that we experience from time to time, but it's generally short-lived, right? Long-term resentment, however, becomes a great obstacle not only to the development of our emotional intelligence but as well as our relationship dynamics and I'm not talking just about romantic relationships right resentment can build between any kind of relationship dynamic that we have that we interact in and participate with and if we're not careful to eliminate resentment what happens is it, it fuels into something much greater contempt so it begins as a reaction to a disappointed expectation or unmet need And this creates simply an emotional state. Now, when resentment starts to build and turn into contempt, what happens is that emotional state effectively becomes our personality trait. And one thing that we should understand about personality traits and emotional states is we don't want them to be the same thing. When our emotional states become our personality traits, that means that our emotions have control over us and we are no longer in control of our emotions. 
So contempt starts to build. And contempt is a dark emotional experience that interferes with our ability to not only connect with others, but also our ability to make repairs to the connections that we have. Contempt is an attitude of scorn, characterized by a pattern of attitudes and behaviors that are tangled in anger and disgust. So imagine feeling always angry and disgusted by an individual person. That's really going to block out your ability to hear them, to be a witness to their feelings and emotions, and to really have any care or consideration to like be there for them at all. Contempt is also hierarchical, and that means that it situates itself in a superior-inferior complex, right? So the holder of contempt is superior, and the accused is inferior, and more than that, worthless and undeserving of any kind of dignified status or respect. What contempt is really about is the exclusion and the rejection from any kind of equal status or worthiness. And like that contempt says, I'm better than you and you're less than me. Here's another interesting little tidbit about contempt that comes out of the Gottman Institute, right? Listen to this. Research shows that couples who are contemptuous of each other are more likely to suffer from infectious illness than others due to a weakened immune system. Contempt is fueled by long-simmering negative thoughts about the partner, which come to head when the perpetuator attacks the accused from a position of relative superiority. So isn't this interesting? The emotions that we really hold on to and cling to, they can actually compromise our immune system, which compromises our, our ability to physically heal. So we're not only struggling with emotional and mental healing, but now on top of it, if we've really let this contempt brew, we're dealing with a physical healing that is necessary. So Dr. John Gottman, again, he's an American clinical psychologist and researcher. He notes that there are four communication styles that predict the end of a relationship. These are known as the four horsemen. And contempt is like number one sign of serious problems within a relationship. Followed by contempt is criticism, defensiveness, and stonewalling. So of the four, contempt is the most problematic for a relationship and a sign that the relationship is in serious trouble. If contempt isn't resolved, the relationship dies. So what is contempt? What does it look like? I got some examples for you to consider, okay? Here's the first one. Greg values punctuality and has a strong need to arrive on time or early. His wife, Gina, however, doesn't have the same need for being punctual. She does, however, make attempts to be ready and on time for things when it is important to Greg. Recently, after Gina arrived late to an appointment, Greg said to her, listen, I learned how to tell time when I was like four. Are you ever going to figure this out, grow up, and be an adult or no? Here's another example. Henry has been feeling unloved and underappreciated by his long-term partner, Hannah. Hannah has been working longer hours for a big project at her job. Harry remembered that she has partnered on this project with an attractive individual named Luke. He has a need for connection and physical intimacy and decides to express it this way to Hannah. You know, we haven't had sex in like over a month. But Luke, it's all of your attention at work. Maybe you're getting it somewhere else and not really working late. Maybe there isn't a project. I guess you should just marry him instead of me. Now, Here's another way that contempt 
can show up in our relationships. And maybe you weren't even aware of this. Belittling is a form of contempt. Cynicism, eye-rolling, hostile humor, mocking, name-calling, sarcasm, and sneering. When couples are contemptuous in their relationships, what they do is they find good cause to reduce and reject their partners rather than just telling them what they want or need. This is because in the back of their mind, they have lost all respect and all regard for their partner. And without drastic changes in communication style and without any form of transformation of attitudes, relationships will ultimately crumble under the weight of disgust, disappointment, and contempt. But the good news is, is that there are antidotes. So if we're willing to transform not only our communication style, but our overall attitude, we can consciously act toward making serious changes in how we engage in the future, thereby eliminating contempt and hopefully curbing the possibility of resent turning into contempt later on. So again, the four horsemen, contempt, criticism, defensiveness, stonewalling. The antidote for contempt that Dr. John Gottman offers is this. First is start with a small, short conversation in which you describe your own feelings and needs about any given issue. Avoid using you statements and focus on the I statement. So what this means is I feel, insert emotion, because I'm needing, insert some universal basic need. Now I'm going to go over emotions and universal basic needs in the next podcast. So If it does come time to confront your partner about a particular action or behavior, or say that particular action or behavior is the stimulus that activates the emotional response of the other partner, rather than going at them with accusation, we want to address what we want to point out by way of observation, okay? So evaluation is story building. And evaluation is adding judgment to what you observe, right? What was seen or what was heard. So it's accusatory and it's like this. You go out of your way to piss me off when you're late. This is making an assumption and an accusation just simply about an action that took place. Now this doesn't add to, we have no clarity or confirmation of this, right? We're just projecting and making an assumption based on the way that we feel. An observation statement rather would just say, you know, when you run behind, when you run late, It makes me feel this. And this is because what I need is this. So it makes me feel like you don't, like the relationship is not valued because I have a need for consistency and punctuality. What's important here is to keep the focus on what you're thinking and what you're feeling rather than pointing your finger at what your partner is doing. The second way that we uh, weave in the antidote of contempt is that we want to create a culture of appreciation, right? Now, this is the way that we implement our attitude of gratitude. We take notice of the good things that our partner does. Not only does this help us remember good things about our partner, but it also fulfills our needs for certain um, validating uh, let me let me say this again. It also fulfills our needs and our principles, okay? And so because appreciation is a universal human need and we all want it, we all benefit from this type of validation. And again, gratitude begets gratitude. So the more grateful you are, the more things you see to be grateful for. And so what, how, 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 what are ways that I can be more grateful then? How do I, how do I create this culture of appreciation? 
got some ideas for you. Now, the rituals of gratitude um, were offered by Dr. John Gottman and Dr. Julie Gottman also from the book, The Love Prescription, that they published. Um, and this is about, you know, this is all of their their data and their studies taken out of the Love Lab from the Gottman Institute. I did add some of my own ideas in there too. So I'm just going to go over this list. So the one thing that we want to know about rituals of gratitude is that what they do is they help us build a shared meaning within the relationship. It creates a ritual of connection centered on gratitude that helps us develop this entire culture of appreciation. So one way that we can start implementing rituals of gratitude and appreciation to increase the connection and stabilization of our relationship starts with something really simple. Send cards with personal message, personalized messages, leave each other handwritten notes, or just leave each other flirty messages, right? And if you want to text, text. But say something of depth within the next text text message or email that you send to your partner rather than something really simple like what are you doing or how are you, right? Add a little bit to that. How about when's the last time you said I love you or I miss you to your partner? Those three words, I love you, can mean so much to some people. Maybe you say I love you all the time. How often do you say I miss you, right? Consider letting your partner know I love you or I miss you Um, because that just strengthens that appreciation. It lets them know that you're thinking of them and it lets them feel like, wow, you're actually like, might not like when I'm away from you. That kind of means a lot to me because sometimes, I mean, and this used to happen to me, especially when I was working. I I almost used to look forward to going to work, especially if there was conflict with me and Corey um, because I needed space between us, maybe to process, but, and, and we stopped missing each other. It was almost to the point where we like a looked forward to getting away from each other and that's that's not good for the relationship of course I think during the time we had a lot of resentment issues that we were going through as well so here's one so like I'm actually not a birthday celebrator well I hadn't been for a long time but over the last few years I've been realizing that like birthdays don't have to like match what society traditions suggest they do but they can just be clever and unique different ways that we show our appreciation for other people and we make them feel special right like I I think because I'm so non-conforming at heart I don't like to do what everybody else does but Gottman referenced this birthday as a way to say thank you and I think this is a great way so use the birthday as a way to say thank you as a way to show appreciation rather than getting like super anxious about like making it about like oh I gotta get her what she wants or he wants or he's gonna be really pissed make this solely centered on this is how I'm showing them gratitude right and and better than that create your own unique gift right like or a gift basket and it doesn't even have to be on the birthday because I think random acts of kindness are really great ways to inject a culture of appreciation as well in your relationship Here's one. End every evening with an expression of gratitude, right? Share something with your partner that you are thankful for happening in that day, even if it has nothing to do with your partner, right? Say something really cool happened at the grocery store that you were really grateful for at the post office or at the office at work, right? Or dropping the kids off for school or something that happened with a neighbor. Just making sure that you can focus outwardly too on all things that you can be grateful for because again, gratitude begets gratitude. The more we pay attention to things that we're grateful for, the more things we see to be grateful for, okay? Um, Here's another way that you can inject a culture of appreciation. This is something that I do, right? And my husband does. We make each other a cup of coffee, especially when we're not expecting it, right? Like, and just having it ready and bringing it to him is one less thing they have to worry about. 
warm up their towels in the dryer while they're in the shower. This is something that I don't necessarily do for my husband a lot because of his work schedule right now, although I do do it more um, different times of the year. Something I like to do for my kids when they're in the shower, I like to go warm up their towels for them because I know that they appreciate it and it feels great to get into a really warm towel after you get out of the shower. Um, pick up their favorite snack or treat the next time you're out at the store, whether they ask you for it or not. You know, this is something I like to do too. I, I really don't like to encourage treats and sugar in my own home. Um, and I especially hate anything with red dye, but Corey loves red hots, right? Little cinnamon candies. And every once in a while, I just, I'll grab, or Boston baked beans, right? Those are his favorite little guilty pleasure, sugary sweets. And so just buying him for him once in a while makes him go, oh, you were thinking of me. And he does the same for me with like chocolate all the time. He knows what chocolate I like and he'll randomly just show up with it. And it just makes me feel like so seen and heard. Um, handle dinner completely on your own without asking your partner to contribute or make any decisions for dinner. This is something that I appreciate when my husband does. He doesn't ask me what I want for dinner. He doesn't ask me to help him come up with dinner. He just handles dinner. And for me, and I'm like, oh, I didn't even have to think about it. Thank you so much. And very rarely will I complain about whatever he decides for dinner. And I think maybe this is something that like, especially moms and wives would super appreciate, especially if they're the ones mainly responsible for preparing the meals. Husbands, dads, just take care of it one day. Don't even, don't even bring her into the fold other than I got dinner don't worry about dinner tonight, right? That's all she needs to know. Or he, if he's the one that cooks. Um, rub your partner's feet while they're just sitting there on the couch watching a show, right? Like Corey does that with me. He's always playing with my feet. He's rubbing my feet. And every once in a while, he clips my toenails for me. Like I know it's strange, but he, the, he, he has weird ways of taking care of me. And I just really appreciate it. Um, Show physical affection. So the Gottman Institute has this thing called the six-second kiss. And Dr. John Gottman has actually talked about um, how the six-second kiss is actually long enough to really create a moment of connection. So you don't have to do a 10-minute makeout session, but what about implementing a six-second kiss? How about a three-minute hug, right? Other ideas are holding hands, right? Holding hands wherever, like do you go for walks with your partner? I like to go for walks with my husband and we hold hands when we're walking. We hold hands everywhere actually. And that's just another way that we show each other that we appreciate each other. And that's another form of physical connection that kind of keeps that emotional connection maintained, right? One thing a lot of people don't realize is in order to maintain a really positive emotional connection, right? Emotional intimacy, you actually need physical connection because let's think about we only really started developing an emotional connection with someone because first we had that physical connection. We had that proximal connection. And so one way to really keep that emotional intimacy going is to maintain the physical intimacy. It's like a cute little cycle where they just keep building each other up. More emotional intimacy leads to more physical intimacy. More physical intimacy leads to more emotional intimacy. They depend on each other. Those are the antidotes for contempt. Now, let's just go over the other horsemen for a minute, right? Because these are other communication styles that can really make it hard for us to he hear and see our partner. So I'm going to go over those, right? Criticism. So here's the thing about criticism that some people maybe don't consider. Criticism is different than offering critique or even voicing a complaint, right? Criticism is not complaining. And in actuality, 
voicing complaints constructively is a very effective way to continue that culture of appreciation and and also uh, allowing for transparency and authenticity. If something is bothering you, there's nothing wrong with airing a complaint to your partner. The important thing about complaints is we want to keep them one at a time. We want to stay focused and constructive on airing what that complaint is. Never mind all that for now. Let's get back to criticism. All I wanted to say is criticism is not complaints and is not critique. Criticism is an ad hominem attack, right? Criticism means that we attack the core of the character rather than addressing the conflict at hand. And so the antidote to criticism is to use I statements rather than you statements to own and express your own feelings and emotions without blaming your partner. Defensiveness is a form of self-protection through righteous indignation playing the victim. Uh, When we use this as style uh, of communication within our relationships, what we're essentially doing is playing the blame game, right? We are trying to absolve ourselves from any kind of responsibility to whatever the problem is, and we want to make it solely the other person's fault, the other person's problem. I don't even want to deal with it. The antidote to defensiveness is to accept personal responsibility um, for your role in the participation in the matter take accountability for your part of the problem, right? Accountability is answerability. Responsibility is our responsiveness to our position and our role, right? Like these are these are just essentially like the rules of who we are and how we operate. So sometimes we fail on our responsibility. Accountability comes in when we're being answerable for why that didn't happen. And accountability is also kind of lined up with apology, right? So the antidote is to accept personal responsibility, take accountability, apologize genuinely for any kind of part that you had in the issue. Simple fix, right? Stonewalling. Uh, Stonewalling is when the listener withdraws from the conversation without offering any kind of resolve or commentary on the matter. And the person who doesn't want to participate in the problem-solving process, um, and, and they also aren't even willing to pay attention to listen to what's going on. And what's interesting about stonewalling is men are more likely to stonewall, whereas women are more likely to criticize. And in fact, stonewalling and criticism can build its own nasty little cycle. If you are more inclined to stonewall, that is going to possibly activate her criticism. And you're just going to shuffle back and forth between not saying anything and her saying more and you shutting down and her saying more. Um, and, and this is something that Gottman found, right, was was true, is that men tend to be um, more guilty of stonewalling, whereas women tend to be more guilty of criticism. But when it comes to contempt, there's like no gender differentiation whatsoever. Like equally, both people um, are, are, are can be prone to contempt within their communication devices. So not, that's all on the antidotes. So that's pretty much it for today. I just wanted to kind of go over resentment, how to let go, the dangers of contempt, and then the antidotes of the four horsemen as offered by the Gottman Institute. And really, I just hope that can be encouraging for you. And I want to remind you, I I do have openings for clients. So if you are struggling with this or any other kind of relationship issues, maybe you're not in a relationship and you're just struggling with different growth and attitude issues, um, I do have openings. I'm accepting clients right now. You can find any information that you need about me and what I do and what I offer, my rates, everything. If you head on over to my website, daniellekingstrom.com, like I said, you'll see my pricing and procedure. I'll take you links to all of my other um, outside internet 
affiliations and ways that you can interact with me. And until next time, thanks for listening. Thank you.